Welcome, friend, to my discipleship podcast. This is Brian Chu. I pray that you will grow in your faith and have a closer walk with God. Enjoy today's message. So I want to give you right now, I call it the five essential characteristics or qualifications of a real man. And it's all laid out in Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. God had dealt with me in a harsh way about eight or nine years ago. Okay, I was complaining about our marriage. I was complaining about Melissa and my kids. And God said, the problem is not with Melissa and the kids. The problem is with you. And I was like, you sure you got the right one here? I said, I'm the man of God. I'm traveling. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm doing the best I can around the house. And God said, I want you to look at Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17. So you can write this down. The first characteristics of a man of God or a real man is that he walks in God's presence. Everyone say God's presence. And that's why I was so thankful and impressed when I walked in here this morning and I saw Pastor Marcus. You weren't practicing. You were worshiping. I was walking around praying in the Spirit while they were practicing. The presence of God was here. So I'm so thankful about that. You see, Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Everyone say Eden. Now, Eden was a physical place here on the earth. Beautiful. Beautiful place beyond our comprehension. But besides being a physical place, it has spiritual implications. Eden was a spiritual atmosphere similar to heaven. That's why we can't find the Garden of Eden today here on earth. No one's ever found it. The word Eden, if you're taking notes, means delightful spot or place of pleasure or an open door from heaven to earth. And that's what I felt like when I walked in here this morning. We have an open door from heaven to earth. You can't walk in here without praising God, lifting up your hands, praying in the Spirit. It's easy in a place like this. You see, Adam walked daily in God's presence. He fellowshiped with God. They spent time together. Exodus 33 and verse 15, Moses said, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So to be a real man, you must walk in God's presence and fellowship with him on a regular basis, not when you just come to church. You see, my kids, they know if they want to find their daddy, they can find me somewhere between 5 a.m., because I like to get up early. Between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m., they'll find me reading the Bible, worshiping, praying. They know that their dad spends time in God's presence. I'm giving them an example. They grow up in God's presence in our house. Let me give you an example. And it's the same all around the world. When you go to like a wedding ceremony, when the young girl and the father are walking down the aisle, right, that is a representation of the daughter walking with not only her father here on earth, but her father in heaven, that she's under that protection. She's walking in the presence of God. Does that make sense? And then when they say, who gives this young lady? And they usually say the father and I. So the natural progression would be, when our daughters get married, hopefully in about four years, our oldest daughter, that when I release Naomi from the presence of God being in my house to the next young man, 
that that young man would also be a man of God and walk in God's presence. It would be irresponsible for me as a dad to allow my daughter to leave God's presence to go marry some guy who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't walk in fellowship and the presence of God. A woman, she wants to get married. You see this all the time in churches. They come to church, they're involved, maybe singing on the praise and worship team, but maybe they're getting a little older and a little anxious, and, and they go marry some guy that doesn't walk in God's presence. And then she's trying to drag him to church, and she comes, Pastor, he won't come to church. He never came to church in the first place. So don't settle for less, women, if you're not married or if you have children. Don't let your young daughter even date somebody that doesn't know God. It's the first thing I'll ask him when my daughter says, he invited me to the movies. Does he walk in God's presence? Does he read his Bible? In our family, it's a big thing. Is he filled with the Holy Spirit? Does he pray in tongues? Yeah, women, then after they get married, she wonders why he won't go to church. He's home watching football. Eve met Adam in God's presence. A real man would never hit his wife or children or hurt them if he walked in God's presence. Adam, he was a worshiper. He spent time with God. He knew how to worship. I mean, even a simple thing like raising up your hands with some guys, that's such a hard thing to lift up your hands to God, the creator of the universe, the God that has saved you from a terrible past, to lift up your hands and say, God, I surrender to you. I worship you. You can't do that in church, but during football season, they rush home after church. The Broncos are on. Woo! They're shouting, screaming, just because a guy could carry a football over the goal line. I've even gotten persecution for saying for some guy saying, well, you mean I'm not a man of God if I don't raise my hands up? I was like, that's between you and God. See, God had to remind men in 1 Timothy 2, therefore I want men to pray everywhere by lifting up hands that are holy. You never have to teach a woman to lift up her hands. She just does it. It's the men, you know, they're sitting there in church, hands in their pocket or on the seat in front of them. Actually, if you watch some guys, they look very uncomfortable. Just lifting up your hand, it's an act of surrender. It's used as an instruction to raise one hand in surrender or participate. Remember, we taught this principle to our children. We have three girls, and when we're at our house, we you know, put on YouTube. My kids are really into Toby Mac right now. We're worshiping, lifting up our hands. So one day after church, our youngest daughter, Sienna, came home, and she said, Daddy, he goes, you know, you taught us about lifting up our hands. She goes, in children's church, I looked around, and nobody was lifting up their hands, none of the boys. And she said, I was lifting up my hands. I was praising God. And I said, you know what? It's probably, it's not those young boys' fault. I said, it's probably that their daddy didn't teach them that that was important or how to do that. But I'm sure their daddy taught them how to play baseball and throw football, which is good. But they didn't teach them, hey, lift up your hands when you're in church. So the first characteristic that is essential to be a real man is that you walk in God's presence. You fellowship. You're a worshiper of God. The second one, in Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work. Everybody say work. So men, 
We need to be the providers of our home. Everybody say provide. So a man must have a job and provide for his family. There you go again. It's three biggest arguments, money, sex, and religion. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But those who don't care for their own house, especially their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people or men are worse than unbelievers. Now, can a woman have a job? Yes. Can a woman make money and make more money than their husband? Praise God. That's awesome. Proverbs 31 talks about a wife having a successful business. I counsel young guys sometimes, and they want to get married. And, you know, these are godly young guys. I mean, they're going to church. I said, well, do you have a job? Can you provide? No, I'm still trying to figure things out. I said, well, you're not ready yet. I said, if you don't have a vision for your own life and you can't provide, like, for yourself, how are you going to provide, like, a house for your spouse? It's expensive. Women are expensive, men. (laughs) See, even the courts know, and some things have changed a little bit, that when two people get divorced and there's children involved, that the judge will still make that guy provide for those children. So even the courts know and understand that the man is the provider of the home. That word work, when he said he put him in the man in the Garden of Eden to work, the word work is the word ergo. Any Hebrew scholars here? I don't want to mess it up. It's actually the word to become. Everybody say become. So he told Adam, the man, yeah, there's a physical work I need you to do in the garden. Take care of the plants and the animals. But I want you to become who I've called you to be on the earth. You see, work is not something you do. It's something you discover that you are to become, and you start becoming that person on the earth. You see, women, you shouldn't marry a man who doesn't know who he is. A real man knows his purpose and has a vision for his life. Now, you may not be there, but you start speaking vision. This is what we're going to do. When we get married, we're going to retire down in Arizona. We're going to play golf. Any golfers here? Yeah. Have a vision and a plan for your life. Yeah, I'm 56. I'm six years away from early retirement from Social Security. I'm looking forward to that day. So, man, you start becoming who God's called you to be, and you have a vision for your life. You see, within every man of God is a dream that can impact his marriage, family, and this world. Proverbs 28 and verse 19 is a scripture I've been meditating on for about two years. It says, those who work their land have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will end up in destruction or poverty, depends on the translation. So men, discover who you're called to be, and you work that thing. God has called me to travel and preach the gospel and make disciples, okay? Now, I like to play golf. It would be a fantasy for me to say, well, I'm going to leave preaching the gospel and become a professional golfer. That is a fantasy, and my family will end up in destruction. I meet so many guys on a regular basis. They go from job 
to job, to career to career, from school to school, because they have not discovered what God's plan and purpose is for their life. And the ripple effect is not only just on them, but it impacts their family. Women are getting frustrated because they're married to a guy that doesn't have a vision. See, the wife, we're going to get to this later, was called to come alongside and help to inspire, to equip, and to help nurture the man in the house. What happens is she gets frustrated because if a man doesn't have a vision or doesn't know who he is, she has nothing to help. So she starts helping herself or she'll start helping somebody else. Woman was created by God to be a helper. I related to, you know what an incubator is? An incubator, you put something in that needs some help, okay? like a little baby egg or chicken. And after a while, that little baby egg or chicken will grow up to a healthy, normal chicken. No different than when a man and a wife have intimacy. He gives her the, the seed. You know, nine or ten months later, she doesn't give back the seed, right? She gives back to a healthy, lovely baby. So when you give something to a woman, she starts to incubate it. So if you give your wife the vision for the church, for your business. She starts to incubate that thing, right? And then when you get discouraged, she said, honey, you could do it. Remember you told me that God told you we're going to do this church here in Castle Rock? She comes and that thing brings life. But if you start speaking the wrong things to your wife, that's when you start getting hell in your house. You start speaking negative, oh, you're no good, or why don't you do things like that? She starts to incubate that thing. That's why my wife, she can remember stuff from like 15 years ago. Remember you said that? That thing's been incubating, and it just came out at the right time when I got her mad. I'm like, wow, I don't know what you're talking about. So, man, you got to take an account of what things is your wife listening to? What things are you speaking to her? If she's hanging around negative people, that will incubate. Come home and she'll start complaining and blah, blah, blah. But if you speak life, honey, we're going to do this. We're going to move to Arizona six months out of the year. Lay by the pool. Right? We're gonna, I'm going to go play golf while you're at the spa. Incubate it. But if, man, you don't have a vision for your life, and she starts to create her own vision. The word division means two visions. The home gets out of order in your house because you haven't given her anything to work with. Thank you, friend, for listening to my podcast today. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and you can get ministry updates and more of my discipleship resources. Have a great day.